On today's episode of Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures, we talk about a song that may or may not be about mermaids. We talk about the only song that we can think of that includes waves crashing and seagulls crying. And we discuss the merits of giving yourself your own nickname. You're listening to our take on Cherish by Cool and the Gang. There are certain songs that we do that evoke very, very specific images in our minds. When I say ours, I mean Bill's and mine, not collectively the same image necessarily, but we have our own individual experiences with the songs that we cover. Yes. And this song, Cherished by Cool and the Gang, I have vivid, vivid memories of sitting in the back of my parents' brown as brown can be, 1984 Oldsmobile Delta 88. And the first time I heard this song was in the backseat of that car. And I remember thinking, this is just amazing. This song is just so pure and so sincere that it's just permanently ingrained in my memory. I don't have as specific a memory, but I do know that I heard it in the same time period that you did, which would have meant we heard it when it actually came out, which is kind of a rare thing. Well, it came out in 85. Right. I mean, it was an 84 car. I I remember that specifically. I also remember how incredibly brown it was. I I can't can't overstate how brown it was. I'm almost certain that I heard it swimming at my Oma's pool because she always had Joy 96 on. Yeah, okay. And on Joy 96, they play the safest of soft rock. And this is pretty safe. Oh, this is such a safe song. I mean, despite the fact that a gang is singing the song, Frank. That's true. But I think they're the coolest of gangs. That's true. You put cool in front and you're like, well, then these are. this is a safe gang. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I remember. And I don't know if this is a real memory or a memory that's attached to it, but it's as real as real can be, I suppose, is just like floating in that pool and hearing this song and kind of thinking to myself, like, this is the life, you know, as a eight-year-old really contemplating yeah. <laughs> the, the tougher things of the you know, future. At eight years old, I think this song really put our lives and our experiences and everything that we've endured through eight years of being coddled and taken care of and having no responsibility really put it into perspective. You know, you got to cherish the life that you have. That's right. And little did we know how difficult <laughs> the next 40 years are going to be. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to go back to the backseat of that car and just, oh, snacks and TV and everything. No mortgage. That's the life I want to cherish. Yeah. So Frank, I got a question for you. How do you cherish the moment? How do you cherish the love and cherish the life? Because I was thinking about this myself, because as you know, I came here late tonight, about at least a half hour later than I said I would, which isn't uncommon for me, but I was actually putting Elijah to bed and I had to draw numbers on his back. I'm like, okay, he'll fall asleep at some point. I was at like 368 and he said, what number are you at? I said, 368. Okay, keep going. (laughs) I'm going to be here forever. Then I thought to myself... I should be cherishing this moment where I'm next to my son, getting him to sleep. And then I thought to myself, how do I do this? I'm like, well, you stay in the moment. You got to be ready. Then I heard a voice saying, you're going to disappoint Frank. You got to get out now, now. See, and I cherish that moment that you put your family aside for the middling success of this podcast so that we could have this time together and talk about a song that came out almost 40 years ago. And I'd like to think that 40 years from now, Elijah, you're sitting there with your therapist listening to this episode (laughs) and working out your issues. I love you, buddy. All right, Frank, should we talk a bit about the history of Cool and the Gang? 
I think so. The band started 60 years ago. Yeah. 1964. 1964. I had zero idea that they went that far back. My experience with them was understanding that they came from the mid-70s, but, you know, a decade before that even. Right. So George Brown, the drummer, claims that he was on his way to a candy store to buy gumdrops. And then somebody asked him there if he could play drums. And that's the beginning of the band. Are you serious? Well, that's his version. Was that Robert Bell or Ronald Bell? I don't know who he talked to there. (laughs) So (laughs) he's trying to figure that out. But it really begins, I believe, with those bells. Robert Cool Bell, who was the bass player, and Ronald Bell, who played saxophone, I believe. The Bell brothers definitely seem destined for success. Yeah. Because you, you kind of ran down some info that you gathered on them. Well, I also wanted to point out that they moved to New Jersey from Ohio. And to give himself street cred, Robert Bell gave himself the nickname Cool. Oh, come on. I read all these interviews where he kept saying, it's because I'm so laid back. Yeah, he gave himself the name oh, Cool, at least according to Wikipedia. There's nothing better than somebody making up their own nickname. <laughs> I tried to give myself a nickname on my softball team a number of years ago by calling myself The Hammer. And everyone on the team just called me Wiggles and then called my brother The Hammer. So I tried to give myself a cool nickname and I got Wiggles instead. All right, Wiggles, let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. Tell us a bit about the Bells. So Robert and Ronald Bell, their father and their uncle Tommy were both boxers. They had an apartment in New York. And I guess it was at some sort of a monastery because also in the apartment was this Thelonious monk. You worked so hard on that (laughs) So hard. (laughs) And I heard it coming from like miles away as you tried to ramble through that. Or should I say, wiggle through that. Oh, come on. Okay. I like that you let me struggle yeah. through the... You don't yeah. stop me. No. Just let it happen. It's like watching a really slow train wreck. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> no one got hurt. Just everyone got embarrassed yes. by the train conductor's <laughs> behavior. Not me. I self-high-fived. So Thelonious Monk is their godfather, right? Yeah. Was he godfather after the fact or before the fact? I think it was uh, after the fact, yeah. Yeah, so I think they just made him a guardian or or whatever. So Robert and Ronald Bell's father would hang out with Thelonious Monk. And uh, Miles Davis used to show up and hang out with them as well, because I guess he also wanted to be a boxer, not just a a jazz trumpeter. Oh, man. There's so much insanity that goes on around all this stuff. But either way, they're surrounded by credible musicians. Yes. And so do you know the name of their original um, band? Now, it's 1964. I don't, they, they must have been like mid-teens. The Jazzy Axe. The Jazzy Axe. Yeah, exactly. And then they changed their name to Soul Town Band when they wanted to kind of take on a more soulful thing from the jazz side. Yep. And then they changed it to Cool in the Flames, which I think was actually an accidental title given to them by like a bar owner. Yeah. And then the Flames was the name of James Brown's backing band, maybe at the time. Yeah, James Brown's band at the time was the Famous Flames. Right, so then they changed it to Cool in the Gang. Yes. And that takes us to 1969, where they released their first album. First album comes out, they have a little bit of success with it, but they really hit their strong. In 1973, they released their fourth album called Wild and Peaceful. And the big song on that album, at least the big song that I know of from that album, was Jungle Boogie. Right, which I think was in Pulp Fiction? I think so, yeah. Yeah, For us, that was big. And then I was listening to their, like, collected works, I think yesterday, the day before. Yeah. And I was amazed at how many of those beats I knew. They're one of the most sampled artists of all time. Oh, really? Like, over 2,000 or something like that. Or it might be more than that. It was crazy amount of sampling, especially on drum tracks, according to George Brown. (laughs) But uh, also, um, you start thinking through their music, and you listen... to it you'll hear summer madness like oh wait a sec that's summertime but also a whole bunch of other songs and they were primarily an instrumental band yeah because they didn't have a lead singer until 79 that's right because they'd have like the guy doing the deep scary boogie woogie voice yeah like boogie man i guess yeah i don't know uh, who that was (laughs) it had to be one of them I guess. I I mean, I don't think you'd want to pay someone just to come in and make that weird voice. Yeah. If you listen through the first 10 years of the band, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's incredible. I read a review that kind of slammed them as being not that important and that Earth, Wind & Fire was more interesting. But when I listened to Cool and the Gang, I mean, it sounded pretty good to me. Oh, absolutely. Like with Jungle Boogie, that sort of was really at the start start of the dance disco era right but then they didn't have a whole lot of success after that they hit a bit of a lull and they attribute their lull to they kind of lost their way their sound they're trying to do something that they didn't necessarily want to do right they're trying to be more disco yeah and more predictable and they weren't yeah. being as funky as they were before. yeah yeah a little little less free-flowing as they were because they are listed as jazz, soul, funk, rock, pop. Yeah. But I think they were trying to be just straight up disco. Yeah. That's not them. That's not them. Now, they did well because Saturday Night Fever put Open Sesame as one of the tracks on the soundtrack, which, yes. of course, sold tons and helped them get through. Yeah. But they realized they needed a lead singer to actually take them to another level because they couldn't just sing ballads or any of that sort of thing. Exactly. And on the strength of his previous work, James Taylor joined the group. Tough, huh? I love that his nickname is James J.T. Taylor. Like, yeah, I know, hey, right? J.T. I don't know if you know this, but James Taylor released an album right right before you joined Cool the Gang called J.T. Yeah. <laughs> so James Taylor, not to be confused with Fire and Rain, but James Taylor, who I think just sang around Jersey City or, I th- yeah. or Newark. I think it's Jersey City, though. And he joins in 79... At mm-hmm. the same time, they made a deal with this European producer named Yumir Diodato. Not European, unless Brazil is in Europe now. Ah, oh, yeah, you, you got me on the geography. <laughs> Diodato are... really does not sound Brazilian to me. It sounds kind of Italian. Perhaps my geography is not strong. However, uh, this guy's ear was great. And they ended up releasing huge hit albums. Yes. So 79, I think, begins with Ladies' Night and and then carries on to Celebration comes later, as well as... Emergency, which is the one that this one's on, right? So they have this great run. They end up leaving the producer behind and end up working with Jim Bonnenfield and themselves for this album, which is Emergency. We haven't talked a lot about Celebrate before, but that, of course, is like every wedding... DJs, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Go to. It came out in 81 and it was used at the World Series. It was used at the Super Bowl. It was used the NBA championships when the American hostages were released from Iraq. It was used in that, like the celebration when, when they came home and everything. It was it was all over the place. If I can use a term that was used recently, it was ubiquitous. Do you think Nathan would be proud of me there? I think so, and you used it well. Oh, good. Okay. Now, today's song would have fit for a lot of these as well, because we want to cherish the moments. Yes, absolutely. So this leads us to Emergency, which is released in 84. Yep. Now that we're here, who's in Cool in the Gang for Emergency? So the personnel on the album is James Taylor, lead vocals, Curtis Fitzwilliam, Fitz is his nickname, right? Uh, keyboards, Ronald Bell, the tenor sax, Clyde Charles Smith, guitar, Robert Cool Bell, bass, George Funky Brown on the drums, Dennis D.T. Thomas, alto sax, Clifford Adams, trombone, Robert Spike Mickens, trumpet, and Michael Ray on the trumpet. Interestingly, by, we're in mid-80s now, and all these trumpet and trombone people are put on there. But I don't hear it too much in this song. No. If you get the 12-inch version, you'll hear the saxophone. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's Ronald Bell or DT on there. But there definitely is the synthesizers that Bell and Fitz are working on there. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a drum machine on this one. Yeah. So George Funky Brown doesn't really get to play on this song. No. I think it's similar to what happened with Chicago, the band, right? Mm -hmm. Because there was all the horn players. They were the band with the horns. But then by the time the 80s hit, it was nothing but keyboards, guitar, yeah. and Peter Cetera playing the bass. Yeah, it's time that they learned, you know, if you're if you're a sax player or playing a wind instrument, you got to learn how to play those keys, whether it's synth or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so that leads us to this. And Emergency is recorded at Compass Point Studios, which is in the Bahamas, a place I've never been, but I sure want to go. You're also thinking about Mexico by the other James Taylor. That's right. See, got JT on the mind here. So the story is, uh, while they were working on the album, JT was watching the band members' children just play happily in the on the beach and in the sand and all that. And he thought, how blessed we are. God has been good to us and we should cherish it. That's right. So Ronald Bell gives him the 
I think it's an instrumental track. Gives it to James Taylor. Yep. And says, uh, well, I don't know what he says to him. It says, here you go. <laughs> James Taylor's watching, like you said, the kids playing. And that night, in one sitting, he writes the lyrics for the music he's got in front of him. And I know, and I don't want to be disparaging or anything like that. In an interview that uh, James Taylor gave, he said it was the first time he'd ever written a song in one sitting without any changes. Yeah. And now you're saying maybe he could have made a couple? Well, I'm just saying when you read the lyrics, I don't think that was really difficult. <laughs> yeah, that, it's true. It's true. They brought in, when they got to uh, back to New Jersey, they brought in like an ace songwriter yeah. named Sandy Linzer, who wrote another famous Jersey Boys song. Working my way back to you, babe. Oh, that's um, Four Seasons. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember the Smash Mouth song, I Can't Get Enough of Your Love, Baby? Yeah. They covered a cover of a cover. Yes. He wrote the original. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 He also wrote a song that they're suing Dua Lipa over. Oh, okay. Get in line. Seems like a lot of people are suing Dua Lipa. Yeah. Anyways, Sandy Linzer says... They brought me in to kind of add a little bit to it, but the song was, and you're ready for this quote, already perfect. (laughs) And then he gave, but he said, I did give him some things that they use in the chorus, but he gave it pro bono. Pro bono, yeah. And I'm not knocking the song necessarily. The lyrics are earnest and sincere, and they're simple. Yeah, they're brief. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you could write this in a sitting. I mean, you know, the pull it off is amazing, but we will cover this in Lyrical Mouse. Yeah, exactly. The song does quite well. It doesn't go to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. It goes to number two. It goes to number two. It goes to number one on the Billboard Adult Contemporary charts for six weeks. That's right. And according to the Wikipedia page, most likely written by Cool and the Gang, (laughs) that it was one of the biggest adult contemporary hits of the 80s. I didn't read it was one of the, it said it was the biggest. Yeah, and I just thought that is absolutely not true. No. There's no no way that's true. But it is massive. It is massive. I couldn't believe when I checked YouTube that there was 121 million views of the video. Yeah. So this is way bigger than I realize. Yeah. And especially from a band you would more closely associate with Jungle Boogie, Ladies Night, and Celebrate. Like those fun time songs. Those are the songs you would expect to hear from Cool and the Gang at a wedding. Right. It took me later in life to understand or, or to realize that Cherish was actually done by Cool and the Gang. I didn't think that they did ballads like this. For sure. I didn't realize it either. This shocked me. Yeah. It's also kind of shocking that this is the third single. Yeah. Right? Like, so they have Misled and Fresh, which come out really close to each other. November 2nd, November 24th. So I don't know what that means in terms of the world. It's fresh. It's fresh. Yeah. Fresh. That's a fantastic song. So there's no no dissing it. And the album's really good. Yeah. I, I went through it the other day. Well, it's their biggest commercial success, this album, right? Which is surprising to me, too, because Ladies Night and um, Celebration seem like the biggest things, mm-hmm. which they were in their own way. But this album itself was a peak. Yeah. Little did they know the kind of end of the streak. Yeah. So they'll have Victory, the next album, and then after that, it's kind of, uh, you become then a touring band. Retro tours at that point. Hey, do you want to know what else was in the top five? Yeah, let's hear it. Peaked at number two. So Dire Straits, Money for Nothing was number one for the three weeks. Yeah, that's right. And I think Cherish was at number two for three weeks. Number two for two weeks, yeah. Or sorry, for three weeks, yeah. So I got one of the weeks anyways here. We got Money for Nothing, Cherish. Then we have John Parr, St. Elmo's Fire, which I think was a number one. Yeah, it went to number one, Yeah. yeah. We Don't Need Another Hero, Tina Turner. Oh, nice. And then Don't Lose My Number. Phil Collins. Oh, wow. So that's a pretty good top that's five. That's a big top five. So there's uh, 1985. I know we talk a lot about 84, but we also realize 85 is really huge. We also realize that 1985 is exactly the moment we'll, we'll take anything in as eight-year-old listeners. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That takes us into Cherish, song analysis. So we're going to be talking about the single version, the yeah. one that we would have heard on the radio. For sure. Now, this kind of bothers me a lot. We talked about this with Sade earlier. Mm-hmm. I don't think we talked about it specifically, but the single version, the album version, sometimes they feel so different. Yeah. That it's a ripoff when you buy the album. Yes. And this one, the album version is fine. Yeah. However, they punch it up for the single version. Yeah. And improve on it way more. Yeah. To me. Frank, I know what you want to talk about, so let's go straight to it. I can't think of another song that has ocean waves 
that started off? Well, my Shoppers Drug Mart Packables Canon that I bought in 1993 had ocean waves, but it did not have seagulls squawking. Yes. Waves and seagulls. I remember as soon as I heard those waves, they're like, oh, it's Cherish. Right. Because I didn't know it was cool in the gang at the time, right? And how much I was excited to hear this song. Starts off with the ocean, and then you have those keys that come in, that piano. Yeah. What I have written down here is opening piano. This is serious. It is. It's a very dramatic piano entrance. Like not dramatic, uh, big and bombastic, but it's very sincere. It's very earnest. Yes. So that takes us to some earnest lyrics. Now, when I say after the earnest seagulls. Yeah, the seagulls are definitely earnest. Yeah. And then sometimes a picture of seagulls squawking is like, I don't know if this is heaven anymore. <laughs> They're there just stealing French fries and yeah, stuff like that. Right. The raccoons of the sky, yeah. as they say in the Bahamas. <laughs> Let's take a walk together near the ocean shore, hand in hand, you and I. Let's cherish every moment we have been given, for time is passing by. I have that as first one, and then I have pre-chorus after that. You okay. want me to go straight to pre-chorus? Yeah, I have it just as one yeah, uh, okay. verse, but yeah, go on. I often pray before I lay down by your side. I love and that. I have that underline, like, together. They all come in there. They can't just let JT keep going. They, he needs no. help there. Yeah. If you receive your calling before I awake, could I make it through the night? Let's take a walk together. Just from a logical point of view, this makes no sense. All right. Sorry, the the last lines. Yep, yep. Okay. If you should receive your calling before I awake, could I make it through the night? I'm assuming your calling is if you pass away in your sleep? Yeah, called to... I have called to death here, but I'm pretty sure that's a Steven Seagal movie. Um, That's marked for death. Well, right. Got it. Called to Death would be a great sequel. <laughs> would be, yes. <laughs> Maybe we should call Steven, see if we can get a sequel made. That's right. Yeah, I had the sense that God is calling her yeah. home. But then the next line, could I make it through the night? So if she's passing before he awakes, I'm assuming he just sleeps through the night, kind of like I do. Yeah. So could I make it through the night? It's just like, you already have, man. Yeah, you won't even know. Yeah, You've it's been... already the day. So what's the point? He's sleeping next to a corpse all night. He yeah. doesn't know. Yeah, that went, sorry about that. That sounded way darker than I it meant did, it to. It did, actually. Okay. My issue is actually the line before that. Oh, okay. I often pray before I lay down by your side. When he says, I often pray, I'm assuming this is the prayer. And so he's praying to God and he's saying, if you call her to home, could I make it through the night? That doesn't sound like a prayer. He's actually asking a question. Shouldn't it be like, if you receive your calling, help me make it through the night? But he doesn't. He says, could I make it through the night? I read that line as being separate from the subsequent lines. Okay. So it's him saying, I often pray before I lay down by your side. That's the ending of that line. That's the end of that statement. He often prays before he lays down beside her. Okay. So like a prayer like... Yeah. Johnny Appleseed or, or you yeah. know, now I lay me down to sleep. Yeah. Pray, you yeah. know, and then the, and then the Metallica yeah. comes in, right? Yeah. But it has nothing to do with her just yeah, dying. Yeah, has, has, has no Enter Sandman in it. I mean, it'd be helpful to pray that she doesn't die yeah. while she's sleeping. Okay. Yeah. I took this from the Billboard Book of Rhythm and Blues number once. Yeah. They have an interview with the Bells and they talk about how their father passed away. Yes. While this was uh, kind of ascending the charts. Yeah. They said he listened to it the night he passed away. Yeah. So Ronald Bell says, 
He was ill when the song became a hit. My uncle told me that my dad was listening to it on the radio on the night he passed away. I always think he must have heard that line, help me make it through the night. Ronald, it says, could I make it through the night? There's not a single moment where it says, help me make it through the night. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be critical here. Oh, shoot. I guess I am. Well, you're being a bit critical. I'm being, yeah, a bit of a jerk here. Yeah. But it doesn't say help me. Yeah. Because then that would be a prayer that makes sense. Yeah. Maybe the, that was in the original lyrics. Bill, can you just let the man have his moment there? I know. I, I can. I can. However, had they said, help me make it through the night, it would have made more sense. I think it would make more of a prayer. I don't want to be pedantic, but I can't help it. Frank, pedantic means... <laughs> I was going to say, can you help me out there, please? I'm kind of overdoing it and uh, focusing too much on the meaning of the words. We're all about the feels here, aren't we? Yeah. But of course, I can't just let a lyric go away. No. Can we focus more on the seagulls and the ocean? (laughs) That's right. That's where I'm getting my feels from. All right. You know what seagulls can do? Cherish. Yes. They just stay in the moment. Yeah. About 150 of them all on the shore. (laughs) Just grasping at that one guy's hamburger and fries that he left beside his towel. Yeah. They're, they're pretty horrible, aren't they? Uh, they're not great. <laughs> no. All right. To the chorus, maybe. To the chorus. Cherish the love we have. We should cherish the life we live. Cherish the love. Cherish the life. Cherish the love. have written here is there not a woman singing because there has to be a woman singing because this sounds like a woman and you're shaking your head at me right now. i think it's only the members of the band singing falsetto backups and that's what i read too i heard it might be jt doing all of it oh really I, I don't believe because in the video they're all singing it and when i see them live they're all singing it yeah yeah so i mean there's not a whole lot to say about that i mean you should cherish your love you should cherish your life it's the sound of those vocals crashing on you like waves yeah and it is one of the more pure sounds we heard in the 80s is this vocal yes and again i said this earlier like maybe it didn't hit as hard in the niagara region but i have a feeling this resonated all through the states that this was heard at weddings at summer parties yeah because i know celebrate you'd hear a lot but i think cherish is that slow dance with the old folks yeah 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 it just oozes with sincerity Mm -hmm. it's akin to always by atlantic star that's right i have a feeling there are people out there who can't handle this sort of purity they call it uh what's the word uh syrupy or no uh, is it sanguine? I don't know if that's the word for it. Saccharin. Saccharin, that's right. I don't find it saccharin, unless saccharin is syrupy. And I put syrup on my pancakes if they're lactose-free, and I've also put it in my oatmeal. It's delicious. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Who doesn't want something sweet? You're right, especially if it's syrup, because syrup doesn't have sugar in it. Exactly. It's syrup. It's not sugar at all. There's you, no way you're going to get diabetes from it. That's right. you got to tap about 800 trees in Niagara <laughs> to get one <laughs> bottle, apparently. <laughs> On to verse two. On to verse two. The world is always changing. And in case you're wondering, that means nothing stays the same. But love will stand the test of time. The next life that we live in remains to be seen. Will you be by my side? And then, of course, he's going to often pray before he lays down by By your side. And if you receive your calling before I wake, could I make it through the night? The world is always changing. Nothing stays the same. But love will stand the test of time. The next life that we All right, Frank, I do want to talk a lot about that first part of the verse, too. I, I, I feel that it sounds fine in a song, but doesn't stand the test of scrutiny. So, 
or the, the test of time. Yeah, the world. Like love. Yeah, the world is always changing. Nothing stays the same, but love will stand the test of time. All right, is that being balanced with that? Nothing stays the same. Nothing, including love or not including love, and staying the test of time. Does that mean you can change and stand the test of time? And why is it even next to these lyrics? If I can go back to my OAC English class, okay. We did a study on King Lear. We were discussing King Lear speaking about his daughters, his three daughters. And he was basically saying you can't quantify love. Love is not something that you can put into a box and quantify and qualify. Love is something that's outside of normal human constructs. Right. So if everything's changing, like love exists outside of everything that's changing. So love will stand the test of time, right? Right. I think. Does that make any sense? That makes somewhat sense. If love is a test, wait, no, if time is a test. Yeah. So the test of time. Okay, love remains. Yeah. Now, of course, I guess that leads to the next verse, which really gets a bit interesting because he talks about the next life. The next life that we live in remains to be seen. I'm throwing some prepositions there, but you got to get there with those uh, syllables. The next life that we live in remains to be seen. Will you be by my side? So is this a question that you're not going straight up to heaven, you're going back into life again. And is it a reincarnation thing or is he talking about... Oh, the afterlife. Yeah. The calling. Yeah. Oh, how did I miss this? I just assumed it was reincarnation because there's this Kate Bush song yeah. from the uh, 10 Words for Snow album. Mm-hmm. No, it's like a thousand words for snow, a hundred words. Anyways, a lot of words for snow. A lot snow. of words for, a lot snow. Of words for <laughs> snow. But in the song, it's a duet with Elton John. It's really, really good. Like, it's a great song, because he doesn't go full Elton. Anyways, I'm losing myself here, but I'm going to catch myself. It's Kate Bush and Elton John singing about their love, but they're like two people who always get close to getting together, and they're always torn apart. And in every life they live, it just never happens. They get close, and then they get stuck, and it's this horrible loop. Okay. But this is not it. Yeah. He's talking about the next life, because she's been called there. Yeah. That's the calling. Oh, man. Frank, you've helped me uh, make sense of this. The song is way more spiritual than I thought it was. Yeah, so in the next life that we live in remains to be seen. Will you be my my side? Or will you be a mermaid somewhere in the water? Calling. making That's a seagull calls those mermaids. Yeah. I'm getting ahead of ourselves for that video. I yeah. apologize. <laughs> okay. All right. There we go. Okay, we got that. And then we get to the chorus. What I love about the chorus the second time round is cherish the love we have. We should cherish the life we live. Cherish the love, cherish the life. But in it, we have Cool and Gang doing the vocals. But then you have James Taylor, JT. He's kind of punctuating everything. He kind of answers like, we should cherish the the life. It's like, yes, I do. And all of that, it just makes it seem way more sincere. Like, it's not enough just to say it. You need to exclamate it. That's right. That's good. Let's cherish every moment we have together. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like he's also hyping. Yeah, while exactly. While he's also singing somehow. Yeah. Adult contemporary hype man. I think I missed my calling. And I believe we're getting to this section of the song that we'd say, you know, we often will ask ourselves, what's our favorite part of the song? Yeah. I assume this is your favorite part where after the second chorus, the waves and the birds come back. Yeah. And then spoken. Yeah. Cherish the love. Cherish the life. Yeah, absolutely. I I think we're there. I mean, the chorus to me is just perfect. I mean, that's what I love. But that moment where he speaks it. Yeah. And then not only do we get to hear that, we get to hear the chorus all over again and repeat and repeat and take us home.
So, and I think that's one A for my favorite part. One B would be, we talked about this and, and saying this already, but I often pray before I lay down by your side. I love that part. Yeah, I love the whole thing. This is so good. Maybe we shouldn't sing together though next time. I don't okay. know if we if we harmonize so well. Okay, what part was it we shouldn't sing? By your side. <laughs> we will always sing that together. <laughs> what do you think of the video? The video is saccharine the way that the song is. It's sincere and earnest, but it is filled with so many tropes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And the kid in the video, I don't know this 100% or not, but he might be a terrible actor. He looks so familiar to me that he must have been a kid in other things. He may yeah. be one of the kids of the uh, gang. Yeah. But he looks like a kid I've seen before. In it. There is a familiarity, yeah, yeah. But like either he's doing such a good job acting that it, it seems too unnatural because it's such good acting or he's just a terrible actor yeah it's hard to know but yeah. it does capture the moment just perfectly now the video before this was fresh we've talked about this yeah which is a wicked song yeah because i didn't really know it till i heard it again and then i'm like oh i know this Jeez, fresh fresh yeah it sounded exactly like that yeah what we just did there now that video which i watched yesterday as well that one has a Cinderella theme. So there's oh, okay. two sisters who just happen to be very unattractive. And this really, really exceptionally attractive woman is forced to clean the floor while Cool and the Gang sing fresh. And then suddenly the really attractive sister is no longer cleaning the floor, but she's wiping the floor with everyone else with her crazy dance moves. Oh, wow. And then she loses her slipper at the end. And within about 30 seconds, they find her. And then they get married. Not, they not much off. of a search there, right? No, it was no. hilariously bad for like the timing of the video. They yeah. spent most of the time on her very... Um, Unattractive sisters? Your stepsisters? Uh, yeah, or her very alluring dance moves. Oh, uh, yeah, gotcha. Like a lot of time. I bring this up because in this video, it's a mermaid coming out of the sea. And so I feel like... Is it kind a mermaid of... or is she just in a bikini? No, she's a mermaid. Oh. So this is like Little Mermaid. The other one is like Cinderella. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she's a mermaid and coming out of the water because that's why the kid points to her. And she's... I thought so... she was just an attractive woman coming out of the water. <laughs> Did I Which... miss the mermaid part? Yeah. Yeah. You totally... She's a mermaid. Yeah. That's oh. the whole point of the story. Oh. Wow. How many times did you watch the video? Pay attention to it? Oh, like five? Oh. You didn't see once the... Um, well, it was so the... just fleeting at the beginning when she comes out of the ocean, yeah, right? She comes out, so she's a mermaid. The rest of it is just the beach, like yeah. beach wedding tropes. Okay, let's go back through this. Okay, so it starts off with them on the beach. Yeah. And the kid's playing and then says, hey, look, there's a woman coming out of the well, he doesn't water. Say it. He says it with his facial expressions. He does. He does. There's no one Which speaking. might be terrible. <laughs> it might be terrible. And totally earnest, but yeah. also like doing exactly what the director told him, which is pretty cute. Yeah. So this woman's coming out of the water and JT quickly gets her a sweater to wear. Yeah. Okay. And then suddenly they're together talking about cherishing the moment. But, but aren't they at a wedding? Isn't it a wedding? No, this is just... Like a beach party? Yeah. Although one of the guys looks like he should be like an Orthodox priest. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know why they have an Orthodox priest hanging out with them. Yeah. Because there's no ceremony. Okay. I mean, he makes out with her on a... Um, on a blanket. On a towel, yeah, or yeah. a blanket, yeah. Which it maybe is Bahamas wedding ceremony? Yeah, maybe. Okay, so maybe the wedding trope is wrong. But uh, everyone's wearing white. There's riding horses. There's that weird guy, that sketch guy. He almost looks like Colonel Sanders. Yeah, as they go down the table, the yeah. people eating, like, wait, who are these people? Yeah, exactly. Once they hit the Orthodox priest, I was like, I don't know about this guy. What, yeah. what, what part What's of the happening here? There's also the campfire that they have. Yes. Right? At and the end, yeah. At the end. So, Which is a classic beach trope, the, yeah. the bonfire in, in the evening. Now, it might have begun with the campfire as well. I think if you go back, the well, campfire it, is going and they're singing, but then it gives yeah, you the but, full story. Or there, there's torches around yeah. them as, as they're singing, yeah. Yeah. And um, it does give me the picture of what I always imagined like, perfection to be. I have written here my vision of like heaven or perfect relaxation or just basically life's end goals is what I see in the video. Mm -hmm. Because to me, the idea of being on a beach 
where it's warm and waves are crashing is like, that's it. That's all we want in life. And I think I got this mostly from 1980s movies yeah. and music videos. Well, you're probably thinking more or less about the scene from Rocky Three when Apollo Creed and Rocky are running down the beach together. Yeah, and they're dancing in the water yeah. together. Exactly. Yeah. I just felt like they must be in heaven. Apollo and Rocky? Oh, they already were there. Yeah. But um, also, also these people in Cherish. So when I watched the video... I just think there's nothing more. So I feel for Cool and the Gang. They've recorded Emergency in Bahamas. Of course, you're not going to do anything after that that's going to match it because you're at the end. Just stop. Yeah. I just live on the beach for the rest of my life. Just cherish, like you said, man. Oh, my goodness. Totally. Now, the video has the mermaid coming out. So, Frank, did you notice that at the end she disappears? Did she? Yes. Oh. No. I thought maybe she went back to the room because she was getting chilly. No, she got her calling. She went back to the sea. Oh. She went to the ocean. So you see the... Do I not uh, pay attention to things? Yeah, because there's like a whale tail, but it's actually a mermaid tail. Is there? Yeah. Oh. I think I stopped paying attention by the end of the Oh, my goodness. Well, anyways, she's a mermaid, goes back, and then I'm like, oh, "Oh, man, he's alone. He should have been paying attention, but he was too busy playing with the band. Typical. It gives someone a guitar around a fire. They're going to play it the whole night. Yeah. Have you ever had that? No, because I can't play a guitar. No, not you, oh. but around somebody who knows how to play guitar. Or they thinks give... they know how to play a guitar. Yeah, but yeah, then they I've noodle for seven to eight hours. Yeah. It's like, play a song. It's like, ah, I'm just going to make stuff up. It's like, because you don't know how to play songs, do you? Yeah. Or they should be really grateful to us because we haven't set them on fire. Yes, exactly. <laughs> there is another Cherish video with mermaids in it the madonna video yes that's right yeah anyways i was wondering about the connection there but it's about a mermaid and if i'm wrong that would be my most incredible mistake on this podcast i do not think i am wrong about the cherished video being a mermaid song chair the both of them okay both of them are mermaid videos which is interesting i'm gonna defer to my exactitude sure yeah all right frank are you ready for some categories yes okay Where are you likely to hear this song? At a wedding in 1985. Yes. And I have written here, wedding for an older couple. Oh, yeah. Because it'd be especially poignant because their time is short. Yes. And they need to cherish it. I also have written here, high school grad from 85 to 87. Yeah. I feel cherished love could fit nicely. Absolutely, yeah. During the slideshow, but I feel like if it's 85 to 87, that slideshow would have to go beep, beep, beep. Oh, yeah. I'm run by the geography teacher. All right. I also have End of a Summer Camp, where the counselors sing this slightly awfully and maybe just make everyone uncomfortable and lots of crying and the sort of thing where the cynical, single teen is kicking uh, pop cans. Nah, pop cans because we littered all the time back then. At least I remember that. Or was that when we stopped littering? In the 85. I think I think we stopped littering in the 80s. Yeah. That's, that's when it was less cool. Yeah, because with the, we had acid rain. It was raining, yeah, and raining like, litter. Yeah, and there's no ozone layer or something like yeah, that, yeah. too. Glad we fixed that one. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why don't we just, like, shoot up a bunch of ozone? Like, it's not difficult. It's not rocket surgery, people. <laughs> like, why am I the one thinking about this? I'm busy with my podcast. I can't solve the world's problems. Well, this is why climate change won't be fixed. Yeah. It's because of us. Oh, yeah. Maybe if we stop the podcast, we can heal the world, make it a better place. No, that's what the podcast is doing, for. Oh, okay. We got to heal hearts before we heal ozone. That's true. All right. I know this is a favorite of most of our listeners, the Michael Bolton version of this song. <laughs> We've had several of our listeners reach out to let us know they don't like this part of our podcast, and they may or may not be turning it off at this point. If they haven't already turned it off. I don't think people listen so far and okay stop it frank let's just keep going here (laughs) all right all right i have it down as part of his american songbook volume 17 okay and in my version his backing band is whoever's left in color me bad new kids on the block and backstreet boys all together all falsetto okay and kenny g yeah he's doing the saxophone for the the 12 inch version yes so when does he uh, destroy the world oh you know what this is one where he heals the world frank yeah he just starts creating ozone I think his, so, yeah. Through his vocals. Yeah. He takes in oxygen and expels ozone. You just need to plant a Michael Bolton in your garden and the world would be a much better place. Oh, man. I wish I had a Michael Bolton garden. That'd be okay. amazing. That could be the name of your future band. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
There are several versions of this song, Frank. Yeah. We have the album version, the single version, the 12-inch version, amongst others. There's covers, but we kind of decided not to discuss those. Yeah. You got a favorite of those versions? It's the single version. I feel the same. Like I thought the 12-inch might do it because of the sax. Yeah. And there is really good. Yeah. And I feel like you in a perfect world, somehow the saxophone ends up in the single version, but we don't live in a perfect world. No. Yet. yet. And you have to cherish the life that you have. Yeah, not the one that you want. Next up, I have written here the cherish verse because okay. I feel cherish is one of those keywords that if you put it in a song, it's going to be really good. Yeah. So I got a couple cherish songs for you. Okay. We've already mentioned one of them. Yeah, Cherish by Madonna. Exactly. But there's the original Cherish by The Association. Do you remember that one? I don't know if I know that one. Cherish is the word I Oh, use. yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's yeah, yeah. such a great song yeah, yeah. with a weird dark streak. Yeah, it seems almost like chanty right yeah but there's also this like wanting to mold someone into who they love and then realizing that they're never going to have the person so it ends yeah. up being like a obsessor song also one more Shade's cherish the day is so good oh my goodness yeah. yes please <laughs> and, and we just heard it and it just brought memories of those that early 90s Shade. yeah it's just so incredible. so good there you go. There's four Cherish songs. You have The Association. You have Cool in the Gang. You have Madonna, Sade. Yeah. Like, that's a great round of Cherish songs. Yeah. Hard to be matched. Yeah. Almost a mixtape, but not quite a mixtape. That's right. It was my original mixtape, but oh, okay. I changed it up. Which leads us, maybe, Frank, into mixtape? Maybe into mixtape. Okay. I'm going to let you go first on this one. All right. So mine are songs to cry at during the end of camp week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Here they are. I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Okay. Right here waiting, Richard Marks. Oh. Okay. I Will Remember You, Sarah McLaughlin, the original version, yeah. not the live version. Goodbye, Spice Girls. Do you remember that one? Yeah, yeah. Goodbye, my friend. Da -da 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 -da. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. And I ended with something I imagined camp counselors playing, angering me as a camper who didn't quite fit in, who didn't end up having the girl reciprocate my affections to her yeah. while she's crying and listening to the camp counselor who's caught her eye. Possibly they're involved in an inappropriate relationship, even though he's 16, she's 14. To me, it's a betrayal. It's an inappropriate power dynamic. Exactly. I know this because I'm a harassment rep for my uh, school. I think you need to talk to someone about your I unresolved do. camp issues. Yeah, I do. I do. Well, unresolved issues, that's a whole other podcast yeah. that I'm doing on the side for a Patreon-only account, which happens to be only accessed by my therapist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is this the Patreon account where you pay to exactly. have someone listen to you? Exactly. Wait a second here. Oh, I never got to the song. Yeah, it's no. Fire and Rain by James Taylor. Because oh, okay. it's a great song, but I imagine people playing it and noodling on the guitar in front of the fire and me being the angry camper wanting to kick that guitar into the fire. Yeah. Wow, it went, really went off track. There. Yeah, a little bit, but I'm actually quite surprised you didn't have either End of the Road or It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday by Boys to Men. I think It's So Hard to Say Goodbye would work really well. Yeah. All right, that's in two. All right, perfect. Okay, so the song Cherish is all about living in the moment and mm -hmm. enjoying the moment that you're living in. So these are all songs about the same. One Moment in Time, Whitney Houston. There we go. All I Want, Toad the Wet Sprocket. Good. And because of the artist, Secret of Life, James Taylor. Which Excellent. Is a beautiful song. Yeah. Right Here, Right Now by Jesus Jones. I remember liking, hating. I still don't know where I stand with yeah. Jesus Jones. And we finish it off with, and there is a connection with Right Now by Van Halen. Oh, I love that song. Cool and the Gang opened up for Van Halen on their tour in 2012. Totally insane. Yeah. It just... 
uh, amazes me. And this is the story behind that was David Lee Roth came to Cool and the Gang and said, like, hey, you guys had ladies night. You were all about the ladies in the early 80s. Most of our fans are ladies. So it works. And on paper, you look at it and there's no way that it works. But apparently the shows were amazing. I know. I wish I'd gone. Yeah. I mean, I mean, then they were expensive. But now seeing what ticket prices are, they yeah. weren't. That's a very good mixtape, Frank. I thought it was okay. Even with the Jesus Jones? Yeah, even with the Jesus Jones, because it belongs. We belong. Are we, are we singing Pat Benatar now? Uh, no, we, we only sing that line from the song. What's that line again? By your side. So, uh, the only thing I left is Hallmark movie, question mark. I didn't make one up. It's tough to say. I mean, I think the Mermaid video that I didn't understand pretty much encapsulates what the song's about. Frank, you never answered me. How do you go about cherishing your moments? I don't know. I think I just sort of, I sit back and I try to be quiet and take it all in and just do my best to, to create memories about what I'm experiencing. You know, I'm going to say to you, Frank, you do know. That's right on the money. That's how we do it. Oh, I'm glad that I know how to cherish now. My world's complete. And I want to just say to our audience, after all these years, we cherish you. And we hope that you cherish us and that when you listen to our podcast, you know that Bill and I are always by your side. This has been Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures.